Thanks, Rob. Good morning. It's lovely to see you all here. As Paul said, and as many of you know, it's Palm Sunday today. And that was really what I wanted to speak to you about. Um, So I'm just going to launch straight in from Luke 19 and just read you the account that there is in Luke about Palm Sunday in the Bible. So Luke 19, verses 28 to 44, and I'm reading from the NIV, and it says this. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which which no one has ridden, which is basically a baby donkey. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord has need of it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. And just as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying our colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city. He wept over it and said, If even you had known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you upon the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming. Palm Sunday was the time of God's coming. And you may look at it and think, well, Jesus had been there quite a while. He'd been on the earth for 30 odd years. Why was this suddenly the time of God's coming? And we're going to get into that because I think it's really key and important that we recognize the time of God's coming. And for many of you this morning, the time of God's coming is right now and is today. So don't miss what God wants to say to you and what God wants to do in your life. So what I want to do this morning is just basically pull a few different things out of that scripture from the Bible and just highlight them. And hopefully one or two or maybe a few of them will resonate with you and God will speak to you and encourage you in your walk or encourage you into relationship with him. So the first thing I want to look at is in... um, in verse 30, where Jesus sends two of his disciples to find a colt and untie it. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus unties us. You know, this donkey was tied up, and for good reason, let's be honest, the owners probably didn't want it to walk away or run away or disappear or someone to nick it like was just about to happen. But they were also there keeping a watch on it as well. Sometimes we're tied up and we're we're fastened to things for good reason. It's not always a bad thing. That donkey was tied up to keep it safe, to stop it wandering off, to stop anyone taking it. But sometimes we can be tied to things for the wrong reasons and for reasons that aren't healthy or helpful to us. And that's something I want to look at a little bit as well. I think 
you know, no matter whether you're tied to things for a good reason or whether you're tied to things for a bad reason, when Jesus calls us, there's somewhere else for us to go and we need to be untied. You know, sometimes we can be tied down by guilt. Anyone ever felt guilty? Sometimes we can be tied down by anxiety or fear, by sadness, by unforgiveness, by things that we get a bit obsessed with, by a dependence that we think, I can't do this on my own, I, 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 need, I need this, I need to hold on to this because I can't get through life without it. Sometimes technology and social media can tie us to them. It's like, I can't stop looking through Facebook. I've got to go and check it every five minutes because you just never know. And we just get tied to it. Sometimes our religious ideas or our perceptions of God can tie us down. And Jesus can be calling us away from those things. But I believe that Jesus unties us. Or like we see in this account, he sends others to walk alongside us and help to untie us. He sends people to help us and to walk with us. He sends people to speak for him and to be his hands and feet. But I really believe that God wants to untie people this morning. If there are things that you're attached to, things that aren't healthy for you, or just areas in your life that aren't necessarily bad, but it's a season where you need to move on, then I believe that this morning God wants to untie you and unfasten you from those things. And you know, I think even now, is we taught that the Holy Spirit can come and move and untie you from those things and release you and set you free. All you need to go is, yeah, God, that's me. And you can say that in your heart right now. Jesus, untie me. But the biggest question is, what do I need untying from? And so often we don't see it. So often we don't see the things that hold us or that bind us. So the best thing that we can do is humble ourselves Say, God, I'm not perfect. God, show me the areas in my life where I need to be set free. Show me the areas in my life where I need to move on. You know, I believe that we can't fully commit to or accomplish the things for God when we're tied to things that aren't right for us in the season. And so it's really important that we ask those questions. God, what am I tied to that I don't need to be? Whether it's good or bad, but what things do I need releasing from? And I believe that as we release, that it enables us then to worship and serve God in a new and a fresh way. I don't know about you, but I want to worship and serve God in the way that he wants me to. I want to be able to give my life for him. I want to be able to worship him without worrying about the person next to me or the person behind me or what someone else is going to think. So how do I do that? I do that by being released from the things that hold me my insecurities, for me wonderings what other people think of me. And I know it's hard and I know it's not easy and it takes time. But if you really want to serve God and worship God, then allow him to set you free this morning. Allow him to show you where you need to be set free. Because when he does, then he can do amazing things in and through your life. The next thing I want to say to you is Jesus needs us. I love it in verse 31 where Jesus tells the two disciples who go and get the donkey that he says to them, if someone stops you and asks you where you're going with the donkey, just say, the Lord has need of it. As if, if someone came to me and said, and I don't know him from Adam, and they said, the Lord has need of your car, I'd be like, yeah, right, he does. <laughs> he has need of it because I'm in it. <laughs> 
But how does it work? How, how often are we sensitive enough to hear what God is saying to us? What God is saying when he's asking us to help or do something for other people? I'm generally not because I'm thinking about myself and what I need and what I need with my donkey or my car maybe because I don't own a donkey. But he said, tell them Jesus needs it. Jesus needs us. And you know, the irony of it is he doesn't actually need us because he can do it all himself. But the most amazing thing about God is he wants to partner with us. He wants to work with us. And the best example I could think to try and explain this to you, because it's a bit of a paradox, really. I think about Grace and Olivia, my children, and as they've grown up. And there have been times where I've said to them, oh, you know, will you help me bake? Will you help me chop these vegetables up? Um, Will you help me come and do some shopping or come and clean? Will you come to this place with me? And do I actually need them to do that? Well, sometimes maybe, maybe more so now they're a bit older. When they were younger, it was probably more of a hindrance, if I'm honest. They're not in here, so that's okay to say. Please don't go and tell them. But sometimes, you know, can we chop these carrots up? It's like, yeah, that's an interesting carrot now. Are we going to eat that? Sometimes it can be more of a hindrance, but actually that was not the point. The point wasn't them doing the task. The point was building relationship. The point was building their self-worth and encouraging them. The point was adding value to their life and helping them to realize that they could do things. The point was teaching them something. Look, at the end of the day, there will come a time when I'm not here to help them and show them. So my responsibility as a mum right now is to give them everything I can so they're equipped for life, but they're also equipped for the time when I'm no longer here because that time will come as sad as that is and as difficult as that is those times do come and so everything I can give them to build them up and help them in this season is helpful and I believe that that's what Jesus was doing and that's what God does Jesus said to his disciples many times there will come a time when I'm not here learn now and we're blessed because we have the Holy Spirit who can work in us and be part of us and show us and grow us but Jesus himself is no longer here it makes no difference for us because we weren't one of those 12 disciples unless anyone here is really old and was back there. Some miracles going on. But we weren't there when Jesus was. But for them, it must have been so difficult to lose him and to lose the input that he had in their lives. Jesus needs us. Jesus needs you. And you may think, well, who am I? What can I do? Jesus just wants to be with you. He wants to grow in relationship with you. He wants to help you grow. And as he does that, he then uses you and works with you and allows you to be a blessing to other people. You know, I just love that Jesus knew exactly where the donkey was and exactly what needed to be said to release it. And I really believe that Jesus will preempt our response. How many times do we feel like we're being asked to do something and the answer is, oh, I don't know whether I really want to do that. But Jesus always has the answer to move us to where we need to be in the season that we need to be in. You know, and sometimes we can put up a lot of opposition to what God's calling us to do. We can go into it kicking and screaming and fighting. And I don't want to do this anymore. And I don't want to be here anymore. And I don't want to do that anymore. And God, don't ask me to do that. I don't want to do that. But God is with us and he wants to encourage us because he knows the best journey for us. And he wants to set us free from the things that own us. So we come under his lordship and under who he is. The Lord has need of it. He has need of you. And I believe that when we're untied and released from those who own us or those things that own us, 
that it sets us free so we can carry Jesus. You know, Jesus wants you to carry him into your lives, into your workplace. He wants you to carry him into the city where you live. He wants you to carry him into the relationships that you have. He wants you to carry his love and his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his, his, kindness and his encouragement and his comfort. That donkey carried Jesus into Jerusalem. And Jesus is asking us in the same way, will you carry me into your life? Will you carry me into your neighborhood? Will you carry me into those lives of those people that you work with? Are you willing? Are you ready to share the good news of who I am, where you've met with me and I've changed your life? Are you willing and ready to carry my love and my grace and my kindness with you where you go? Jesus has need of you. And his need is that you carry him into all areas of your lives and into all those people that you meet. So I believe that Jesus unties us. I believe that Jesus needs us. I also believe that Jesus wants us to go public. In verse 40, it says this. I tell you, and this is when the Pharisees have been saying, tell your disciples to shut up. This isn't right. What's going on? And he says, I tell you. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And I just want to just look historically about something that I believe is really significant to this. In Jewish culture, when a king or a conquering ruler entered a city, the people would create a carpet by putting the coats and the branches on the ground, like you see on Palm Sunday. But... The strange thing about what Jesus did, yes, there were people waving palms. Yes, there were cloaks thrown on the road, just like they would for a conquering king or a ruler. But the difference here is the conquering king or a ruler would have ridden on a horse or on a war chariot. And Jesus didn't. And I really believe that Jesus wanted to make a divine statement. The problem that we have with donkeys is we associate them with Blackpool. We associate them with them being stupid. We associate them with Shrek. We associate them with kids' rides. We associate them with whatever you associate a donkey with. But in Jewish culture, a donkey's meaning was completely different than what we think a donkey is because of what culture dictates to us. So this is what a donkey meant in Jewish culture. A donkey, let me find it, sorry. It, a donkey was a symbol of peace, and at the time it was often used to enact treaties or to make something a new law. So they would ride on a donkey to enact a new treaty or a new law that was being done. It was a significant animal in Jewish culture. It was really significant. And the other thing to understand is it was also fulfilling prophecy. So in Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So not only was Jesus fulfilling prophecy by what he did, but he was also saying, actually, I'm coming with a new treaty. I'm coming with a new law. I'm coming with something new and with something fresh. I'm not just coming as a victorious king. The victory was yet to come. But I'm coming with something new and something different. I'm coming to save your and change your life, if you will allow me. And it was a divine statement of intent of what God had planned and what Jesus was doing. The Messiah riding on a donkey. And 
we probably don't think about this because I think sometimes we'll read the Bible and we think, oh, Jesus did all these miracles and all these amazing things. But when Jesus does all of these miracles, I've got 19 scriptures written on my other piece of paper about the times when Jesus tells people, don't tell anyone and be quiet. So Mark 1, 34, he did not permit the demons to speak after he'd set someone free. Mark 3, 12, he warned them not to tell people who he was. Mark, sorry, Luke 4, he would not allow them to speak. Matthew 8, see that you tell no one. Luke 5, he ordered them to tell no one. Matthew 9, 30, see that no one knows about this. And it says, and Jesus sternly warned them. Jesus sternly warned them, don't tell anybody. Mark 5, 30, 43, strict orders that no one should know about this. Luke 8, tell no one what has happened. Matthew 12, warn them not to tell who he was. Mark 7, orders them not to tell anyone. Matthew 16, he warned the disciples that they should tell no one. Luke 9, he warned them and instructed them to tell no one. Are you getting the picture? It sounds a bit peculiar to me, doesn't it? Matthew 17, tell the vision to no one. Mark 9, gave them orders not to relate. So he's ordering them, he's telling them sternly, he's warning them. He's not just saying, tell anyone about that he's being proper stern it's like when you tell your kids don't you tell anybody that now <laughs> Jesus warned and told people not to tell him about who he was why why is that significant and then all of a sudden he gets on a donkey and rides into the city and allows his disciples to wave the branches and throw the cloaks and cheer and praise God and say praise God Jesus is coming and when the Pharisees said stop them he said no because even the stones will cry out so the man who had gone round in his public ministry warning and telling people not to tell everybody which didn't really happen very well because crowds of people followed him because they all heard about it but he kept saying don't tell anyone don't tell anyone because all of a sudden his time had come his time had come and suddenly he was ready to go public and what a statement he made you know this is your time this is your time to go public with who you are that you're a Christian Maybe at work for the first time when someone says, did you have a nice weekend? And you just say, yeah, thanks. Well, what did you do? Not much. And every week you think, oh, why can't I just say I went to church? Maybe this week, this is your time to tell those people you work with, I, I went to church. It was great. I had a good time. And yeah, they may ask questions, but this is your time to say who you are, to make that stand to say, this is who I am and this is who I am worshipping. Don't be silent. Even the stones will cry out if you are. God wants you to go public with who you are and who he's calling you to be. You know, there's a story of a young woman called Cassie Bernal. And she was killed in the 1999 Columbia High School massacre. And there's a lot of urban history about it because she was a Christian and there's a lot of things that go around saying, you know, she was killed because she said, yes, I am a Christian. And it is debatable whether that actually happened, but that is not the point. The point is she knew and she loved God. 
and that through and from her life, stories have gone out, songs have been written, and I believe hundreds of people have become Christians. And sometimes it's not always the reality of what happens, but it's the story of who Jesus is in someone's life and the difference that it made. And this is a quote that she wrote before she was killed. She wrote this, Honestly, I want to live completely for God. It's hard and scary, but totally worth it. How many of us can say that this morning? It is hard and scary, but man, it is totally worth it. This is your time. Go public. Scream from the rooftops. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And I want God's purpose and his will to be achieved in and through my life. The next thing I want to say is this. Jesus is passionate about you. You know, in verse 41 and 42, it talks about Jesus weeping over the city. You know, and this is about Jesus' passion. This is about his passion for the nation of Israel, his passion for Jerusalem, his passion for those, own, those individuals who live there. And you may have listened to me read the account and then thought, why are you reading that little bit at the end? That's not very nice. But it was what was going to happen. And Jesus was passionate about those people and loved them and wanted them to change and wanted them to come to him and to see their lives transformed I believe that he has the same passion for each one of you this morning, that he has the same passion for me, for those of you listening online, that he has a huge passion for you. You know, he cried because he loved. He cried because there was a connection and he wants to connect with you this morning. You know, those of you who know me well know I'm not a big crier, but there are certain things that will make me cry. One of them is long lost family. Don't know whether you've ever watched it, but I'll sit there and Paul will be sitting there with tears streaming down his eyes and I'm like, hold him back, Sarah, don't cry. And sometimes they'll just get a little one and sneak out when it's a really, really bad, sad one. But it gets to me sometimes. But the thing that makes me cry and I really struggle to stop myself and I have to hide my face a little bit because it's really embarrassing is when someone wins a game show. <laughs> don't know why. Just a little thing I've got. But I'm just really pleased for him. And I'd really like to win a game show and win a prize and win a holiday. How wonderful he wouldn't. But it just gets me every time. Like, oh, if one, I'm really pleased. God, I'm not crying, Sarah. That's really sad. But it gets me. It gets me. But this got Jesus. He was so in love with those people. He was so passionate about those people. And he's passionate about you. And it's about two things. It's Firstly, it's about relationship. His love and his desire for intimacy with you. Jess talked about it when we took communion. It's all about the relationship. It's all about that connection. That he came on a mission to die for you so that you could be reconnected back with God. It was about his desire to be worshipped but also offer peace. He was desperate that they would bring peace for those people. He was desperate to bring peace to Israel but those people didn't want to relate or connect to him. Their, their hearts were unresponsive. It's about relationship, but it's also about solidarity. You know, Palm Sunday has been traditionally called Passion Sunday. And it's about God's solidarity with those who suffer. God is passionate about you. 
And he knows that you suffer and he knows that there are times that are difficult and he knows that there are times that are hard and he knows that there are times when you want to say, I don't even want to believe in you anymore, God, because of what's going on in my life. I don't even know how you can be a God of love when you allow this to happen. I don't even, who even are you? Who am I? What do I do in this difficulty? What do I do in and through this pain? But it's about the solidarity of it. It's about Jesus saying, I understand the pain. I know. I know it hurts. I've hurt. It's about Jesus saying, I understand the disappointment. I understand that you wished it would be different. I wished it would be different. I asked in Gethsemane that it would be different. And yet I followed my father with where he took me. It's about him saying to you, I know what it's like to be betrayed when someone stabs you in the back. When someone turns on you, I get it. I know it hurts. And I want to stand with you and hold your hand. It's about him saying, I know it hurts, but I care. And you're not alone in your pain. It's about solidarity. And David understood this when he wrote Psalm 31. I'm going to read a few verses from it. It says this. Have mercy on me, Lord, because I'm depressed. My vision fails because of my grief as do my spirit and my body. My life is consumed with sadness. My years are consumed with groaning. Strength fails me because of my suffering. My bones dry up. I'm a joke to all my enemies, still worse to my neighbours. I scare my friends and whoever sees me in the street runs away. Anyone ever feel like that? Like people avoid you because you're having a bad time. I am forgotten like I'm dead, completely out of mind. I am like a piece of pottery destroyed. Yes, I've heard all the gossiping, terror all around. So many gang up together against me. They plan to take my life, but me, I trust you, Lord. I affirm you are my God. My future is in your hands. Don't hand me over to my enemies, to all who are out there to get me. Shine your face on your servant. Save me by your faithful love. God understands. You know, and sometimes in church, we can make it seem like, oh, you've got to always be praising God and you've got to always be happy and you've got to always be, oh, you know, these terrible things are happening, but praise the Lord, he's good. And yes, praise the Lord, he is good, but sometimes it just really hurts. And sometimes it is really painful. And sometimes it feels like that. But in and through when it feels like that, just like David said, I trust you, Lord. You are my God. And that is what Jesus is calling us to do. He's calling us to stand with him, to trust him, just as he stands with us when we feel like it's our worst days, that he never leaves us or forsakes us, but he is always there. It's about relationship and it's about solidarity. I can't even say that word, but that's what it's about. Jesus is passionate about you on your best day and especially on your worst day. The last thing I want to say to you this morning is Jesus requires a response. Jesus came to save us. He came to bring us peace. The whole point of him coming to Jerusalem and riding on that donkey was to get ready for Good Friday, was to get ready to die on that cross. 
That was the whole point of it. That was his response. His response to God saying, this is what I need you to do. And he responded and he walked that path. You know, and the disciples, they cried out, Hosanna. Hosanna means, please save us. We're going to sing a song in a minute and we'll sing Hosanna in it. I want to encourage you as you sing it, just remember in your heart, Hosanna means, please save us. Please save me, God, in my life, in this moment. Please save me. You know, people's responses to Jesus were so mixed, and they still are. Some people respond to him with sheer joy, with worship like we saw the disciples. Some respond with betrayal. Some take offense. Some are angry. Some respond with hope. Some misunderstanding. Some judgment, some rebuke. There were many, many responses to Jesus when he was on earth and there are many, many responses today. And the thing I want to ask you is what's your response? What's your response to Jesus this morning? Is it worship? Does he offend you? Are you cross with him? He's big enough to take it all. It's okay. Be honest. Where are you at? Because Jesus' response to you this morning is, I love you, I died for you, and I want to be in relationship with you. And this morning, if you've never, you've never made that step and said, Jesus, I believe you're real, and I want to start that journey with you, today's your day. And we would love to talk to you and help you on that journey. And we're going to do a response in a minute. And if that's you, you can respond with everyone else. But if you do respond, and that's the first time that you're saying, I want to have a relationship with God, then I want to encourage you to come down to some guys who'll be over this side of the stage after, and they would love to pray with you and talk to you. This morning, I want to encourage you. Respond to Jesus. Allow him to come in and change and transform your life. Allow him to untie you in areas where you need untying. Commit yourself to be needed by him and to carry him into your workplace and into your world. Be ready to go public and declare him and allow his passion to be a comfort to you. But this morning, I want to encourage you to respond. You know, God calls us to hear his voice and his calling. And all we need to say is, God, open my eyes so that I see your will and your way. Bob Pierce, who's the founder of World Vision, says this. Let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And when we carry Jesus into places, then that's what does it. And that's what broke Jesus' heart. That moment when he saw Jerusalem. What's breaking God's heart today? And how can you carry Jesus into that situation to bring change and transformation to it? We're going to sing a song, like I said, called Hosanna. And as we do that, as we sing, there's going to be two boxes at the front of the stage. And they're just going to have a palm cross on them. Something that's very traditionally given out on Palm Sunday. But I want to encourage you, and it might be a bit of organised chaos, but that's okay, be kind, no pushing. But I want to encourage you, 
if there's something this morning that I've said, maybe it's about being untied. Maybe it's about going public. Maybe it's about carrying Jesus into places and working with him. Maybe it's about hearing his heart and his passion and allowing him to break your heart for the things that break his so that you can carry Jesus into that place. Maybe it's just saying for the first time, okay, Jesus, I think you're real. I want to start that journey with you. Whatever it is, as we start to sing, come forward, take a cross as a symbol and as an act that I'm going to change and I'm going to grow and I'm going to develop. Let's pray. Shall we stand? Father God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for that Palm Sunday that there's so much that we can learn from it. But God, I pray that this morning as we respond and we come and take a palm cross, that you would transform our lives. That if there are areas where we need to be untied, that there would be an untying. God, we speak breakthrough. We speak release in Jesus' name. God, for those of us who need to step out and be your hands and feet in places, God, help us. God, give us your heart. God, break our heart for what breaks yours, I pray. God, and for those who may not have journeyed with you yet, God, I pray that as they step forward, that you would meet them where they're at, that you would encourage them and bless them and fill them with your spirit in Jesus' name. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the cross. And we lift you on high this morning.